Hello, and welcome to Knoll Country for Old Men. We're a podcast about board games, tabletop role-playing games, and tabletop war games. And today, we're going to talk about representation in games. Woo! And when I say we, I mean my co-host wrote this script. Uh, my name is Troy, my pronouns are he, him, and running the show today, Ed. My name's Ed, my pronouns are they and them, and uh, this is fully in my women's and gender studies wheelhouse today, y'all. Because it's June, and it's Pride Month. Woo! Yep. So how, how was your hobby week, first off? Yes, weekend hobby. Um, I got a lot of painting done. Uh, I finished painting all of my battle tech. Uh, so that is a 5-mech star of Clan Ghost Bear, a 5-mech star of Clan Jade Falcon, and a 6-mech lance and a half of Kelhounds. <laughs> lance and a half. Everybody's painted, everybody's based, they're, they're done. <laughs> My entire yeah, Battletech force is now, you know, donezo. They can be used in whatever. Uh, I also got a bunch of work done painting my Skaven Blood Bowl team. Boo um, rats. A couple of them are, you know, just at like the final stages of they need to have highlights and stuff applied. And then a bunch of work has been done on the whole rest of the team. Um, I've, I've been focusing on the gutter runners because those are the most important guys on a Skaven Blood Bowl team. The most important guys to smack down. Well, good thing they all have dodge. Um, I was gonna I was gonna say just shoot them as they run by, but there are no guns in Blood Bowl. Yep, no ranged weapons. I've been thinking of forty k all week for some reason. Yeah, well, you got forty k brain. Oh, uh, no. In the games I've been doing uh let's see in starfinder our team you know did some exploration we encountered a um undead scout who works for the colony that we are on we did not realize he was like actually one of our guys initially um but also he had gotten lost and had adopted some goats <laughs> I, I i say ghosts we call them spider goats because they're like eight-legged goats or six-legged goats nice um, and then we helped him get them back to where they had, where they were supposed to be. Um, we also investigated an area and there was like a field of some rare flowers that we were able to harvest. Um, but in doing so, we botched a survival check and accidentally walked into a, um, bunch of poisonous weasels. Poison or, or weasels. Basically, uh, we got attacked by weasels. I guess venomous weasels. Yeah, so we were attacked by a bunch of venomous weasels, which scared the other members of the party who would not fare well when getting bit by venomous weasels. Um, I feel like so most they just of your kinda... party members don't fare well in combat. To be fair, they are a druid. And they are a xeno druid and a technomancer. Shouldn't the druid be able to like charm the weasels? Yes, however, since we're level one, the charm thing that they can do requires ten minutes of talking to it. <laughs> and the weasels, like, we accidentally stepped on one as we were, Oops. like, wandering around. So they came out immediately mad, and I had to punch them all to death. 
No, not the weasels. Like, that sequence ended with me surrounded by a pile of dead weasels. Boo. As I just, yeah, just was like, ha-ha, training! Punch, 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 punch. Uh, basically killed a weasel every round. <laughs> While the rest of the party was like, oh, let's just hide on top of this hill and miss with our lasers. I feel like your character is going to get like the nickname of the exterminator since you just seem to be eliminating pest animals on this planet. I uh, That is accurate. Um, I am the combat-focused person in this group, so that sort of makes sense. That for the moment, I'm the guy who punches everything. Uh, I, I think punch we're having pests. A, I think we're going to have a new player join the group this next session, so we'll see how that changes roles. Uh, they are playing a robot. Hmm. No, not the basic android from the core rulebook, but from one of the more expansion ones. So they are like a literal made entirely of metal and like moving bits robot i was i was gonna say bender um starfinder androids are kind of meh because they're like quasi biological robots they're more Lame. like um blade runner replicants oh uh, got it um with like gray skin and like et tech etching on it they're kind of, eh. I believe Give in forty. Go ahead. I believe in forty k. We call them men of iron. This is what they call robots. Yes, but the forty k men of iron are weird. Um, they're like full on robot-y. They're more. Um, actually, I think you call them necrons. Hmm. Is is a robotic body with an organic soul? Is that still a robot, or is that just is that I mean, a, is that just a full body prosthesis at that point? I I I maybe I I don't know. Necrons are cool and weird, and we should probably do an episode talking about them at some point. But uh, yeah. yeah, I feel uh, like it, with the uh, also with the amount of AI shenanigans going on now, we should just start playing by Dune rules. No thinking computers. Sorry, I'm not going... I'm going to be on the robot side during the Butlerian Jihad. <laughs> but they lost. Not with my help. <laughs> when I help them, they won't lose. Easy. Because, and here's the trick. I know that fear is the mind killer, and I'll tell the robots that. And they'll figure out something else that is a better mind killer. Uh, like, bullets. I don't know, horniness. <laughs> We'll make the sexy robots from uh, that game that came out recently and everyone thought it was really bad. Uh, the one I... set in, like, weird Russia. Oh, the one that gives your, uh, the one that gives your data to the, to the KGB as Atomic part of Heart. the EULA. Yeah. Yeah. It has a weird, sexy ballerina robots. Yeah, See, it's I'll, I'll tell the thinking machines that and, <laughs> you know, they'll figure shit out. Problem solved for you. No, for, for the robots. Good times with robots. Yep. I, for one, welcome our robot overlords. <laughs> In my Lancer game, the party having, you know, best push their way through the bandit uh, first line of defense, uh, discovered some 
like weird comms interference, uh, tracked it down to a series of antennas, and like attempted to uh, some weird antennas in like a field area that also had some forest and a group of megafauna. Um, think like goat elephants with big <laughs> horns. Um, and uh, you know, went in to start investigating them and found out that the goat elephants with big horns were being stalked by, um, I called them cloak wolves because they're like saber tooth tiger sized creatures that have the ability to like camouflage themselves, similar to like, uh, what do you call them? The, the cephalopod things. Octopi. Cuttlefish. Can, no, squid. No, not not. I guess squids. The ones that can like change their. They have the chromophores in their skin that can change the background. That's most squids. All right, so yeah, their squid-like ability to just chameleon pattern themselves and uh, yeah, they they were pretty fun. They this herd of prey animals being stalked by those, and then when the players like, ran up to things, they just went, oh, hey, I this might be food, and tried to jump them. And so they had <laughs> to deal with a pack of metallic-y. those. They had to deal with a pack of those, and also with a sniper who was defending this place. Um, mm. Which they managed to do pretty easily, while also figuring out which of the four antennas was the one that had the actual data, so that they could uh, recover some intel, intel about what was going on. This is when you um, your, uh, your toner into the wires and you you listen for the beeps i mean yes the, effectively they had to do that uh the trick is that you have to go to each of the f antennas and spend a full round action like checking to see if this is the real one they did that and then having solved it they pushed onwards towards the town that uh they're supposed to rescue somebody from uh so that that's going pretty straightforward they did find out that Perhaps the bandits are being supported or are linked to the Onic Ascendancy, which is a theocratic state outside of the like normal uh, political group that runs most of human space. Ooh, and also, yeah, they're a scary theocracy. Um, although. They also have this issue where the previous human government of the main states uh, may have attempted to genocide them with the relativistic kill vehicles. That no one's quite sure where those relativistic weapons are at the moment. They're in they're in pocket dimensions. Maybe well they were fired is the thing, and then. The, when the uh, government changed via revolution, um, the transponder codes were destroyed by the people who had launched them to prevent, you know, the new government from fixing this issue. So um, there's just sort of a set of relativistic kill vehicles flying through space somewhere aimed at these planets. Yay! Uh, and it would be nice if they could get the transponders and, like, 
do a go no go signal and aim them somewhere else. You know, adjust the aim just a little bit so it misses the planets. Sounds like a, uh, f- a flying crowbar situation. Yeah, uh, I mean it's the you, if you launch something at nine at point nine light speed and then just wait for it to hit the planet eventually, it will end that planet. Something will happen. Yeah, the the players don't know about this yet, but the scientist they're going to find does. <laughs> uh, the scientist is part of an effort to find these things. Good luck. Yep. So yeah, uh, that's basically been my weekend hobby. Yay! Uh, keeping on the theme of big robots, I worked on some BattleTech stuff. Decided to give them my standard armored vehicle treatment, which is basically priming them their color, hitting them with a bunch of black ink wash, and then a lot of dry brushing, and then added details and a little bit of edge highlighting, maybe. So, they're coming pretty far along. I think the, the detail stage is I figure out what I want to be shiny and look fancy as opposed to just green uh, might take a little bit longer. I chose the uh, Magistrancy of Canopus as my faction as they are most... Lo- they will be the most uh, pride-affirming of the factions, it seems like. going to be Space Vegas. Yep. And then, uh, still assembling my Dark Elves or Blood Bowl. I don't know what I did differently other than using fresh super glue, but these, this time around, they're going together a lot better. I'm not having to futz with like a bunch of catalyst and modeling epoxy and all that to get them to go together. So, hopefully, the ones that did need all of that extra stuff don't look too bad once they've been painted. Um,. I think I only have three models left to put together for the Dark Elves before I start actually painting them. And then, because I felt like uh, making an impulse purchase, I got the box set for the uh, Halfling Blood Bowl team for good meme times, because they're terrible. (laughs) I can't wait to play, I mean, kill against them. I'm thinking of doing them in like a fall harvesty color scheme since a lot of the ones that I tend to see there are usually like some variant of bright green um I appreciate that their football is a a calzone that was pretty funny that is pretty good so halflings they're gonna be there for some good times um maybe at some point I'll get to take them to a tournament and be a a speed bump for other players potentially (laughs) They are there for a good time, not a long time. Yep. And then, calling back to our episode about games that we want, um, the Metal Gear Solid game is back from the dead. It should be here at some point next year. And it's basically the same game, but they hired new artists, and they uh, also re-sculpted all the minis, and they look so much better than the original ones that were going to be produced by IDW. Uh but this one's being made by Simon, so that's what that they do. That is their thing. They make good-looking miniatures and occasionally decent games. Yep. And this their, one... Their, their record for making games is kind of iffy, but a lot of them work. Yeah. For the most so... part, I enjoy their games, so I figure, why not 
if nothing else, I'll at least have a cool solid snake and a gigantic Metal Gear mini. Because for some reason, the original IDW one, their their pre-order like bonus thing was like, hey, get a large mini of the tank that's like the, I think the third boss battle in the game or something like that and not a Metal Gear, which I don't understand. But Yeah, the, new... the game is not called Large Tank Solid. Yep. So the new one comes with a... Uh, big ass Metal Gear uh, miniature, which that'll be fun. Um, and then another game that I backed, uh, which is on our theme here, called Drags to Riches, which is about uh, taking your drag queen from nothing and turning her fabulous. Uh, that should be getting here next month, I think. It's currently out really... at the printer. They missed the timing on that one, I think. Yeah, they're they're running way behind schedule. They were supposed to get here, I think, at the end of last year. But I mean, it's a Kickstarter board game project. Uh, the estimated delivery by date is a lie, especially if it's an independent producer. Usually, if it's a big company like Simon, you can trust that they're going to deliver on time for the most part. Um, not so much a team of like twelve people. Things go awry. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. So I think that's pretty much most of my week it's mostly been a lot of painting when i can get to it and usually simple painting like dry brushing or basing because it's been a busy week and haven't had a whole lot of time to stick towards painting which is unfortunate Mm -hmm. well with the weekend hobby covered let's get on to our main subject representation yay it's pride month the gayest Ooh. time of year, and despite the fact that it's almost technically summer, maybe it's my favorite month behind October, specifically because it's Pride Month, because I get to bust out all the rainbow shit. Um, I like it because the weather is generally nice and not stupid hot and not stupid cold and not stupid rainy. This is also true. Just a uh, good month all around. Overall, this month, I'm trying to like force uh, positivity in just about everything I do as part of Pride Month, since things are rolling downhill really fast, uh, a lot faster than I would have predicted last year when we did our Pride episode, uh, which is another reason why queer representation in all aspects of our culture and our artistic productions is so important. And the best summation I found of why pride is important is because out there today there's still a kid who thinks that they would be better off dead than being gay uh for a long time that kid was me and being shown that you're not alone you're not a freak you're not a single outlier on the spectrum of humanity even if it's in a fictional context is super important um for me it wasn't a fictional event but for me like the big event was uh finding a thread on Reddit in the construction subreddit where it was a, uh, I think it was a gay machinist. He's just like, Hey, where are all my LGBTQIA plus, uh, trades people at? And it was like the, the floodgates opened at that point. Um, and because I work in an extremely male dominated industry, it can be kind of weird, but seeing and talking to all those other trades people, it was a big turning point in my life. And I'm a much happier, fully realized person since then. Uh, so thanks to that dude, 
I tried to reach out to them. I don't know if they're still active. Um, but if I could, I would buy them a beer or other beverage of, of choice. So that goes to show that little things like that can have a huge impact because the way I could see my life turning out had I just not clicked on that thread or just not seen it at the right time or just passed straight by it. Uh, it's kind of one of those terrifying things to think about it, how your life could be different. So that's why representation is important and it could be in real life or in our fictional artistic settings. So that brings us to a definition. What is representation? And in the context uh, that we're... It's when um, you get three-fifths of a vote Oof. for every um, non... Yeah, for every the prisoner with a job. Oh, boy. Get real spicy. <laughs> I mean, that's how the Constitution defines it. Yeah. The Constitution's a piece of shit. We should rewrite it. It's it's always been bad. There's nothing it, sacred about it. It's supposed to be rewritten. Yep. Despite what do, the, get on that. Despite what the Constitution humpers will tell you, uh, it is a flawed document made by flawed people and needs serious updating. But I'm not here to kink shame anybody. So you know if if you're if you're into paper, you know that's you. <laughs> um, try to avoid paper cuts. Yeah, paper cuts practice, are bad. Practice safe constitution humping. If you if you've seen the new John Wick movie, you know how bad paper cuts can be. I haven't. So, yeah, he he kills a guy with a playing card. Spoilers. <laughs> oh, so he's Gambit now. Kind of. Yeah, there, there's a whole there's a whole theory that he's actually like a superhero mutant with like a healing factor and all that, but that's that's for a, a different podcast episode or maybe a different theme i don't know but at least in our context today uh when we talk about representation we're talking about recognizing that queer people are an immutable and valuable part of our culture we've always been here always will be um go back you know all the way to the ancient greeks ancient romans civilizations beyond that you'll find evidence for our existence um and the word representation itself is neutral it doesn't have any like specific political connotations as a word itself, uh, but you can have both good and bad representation. It works both ways. So for an example of bad representation, um, there's an episode of Bob's Burgers where he starts driving a cab and he meets a group of trans sex workers and it's like, hooray, you've got trans sex workers represented in your show. But the problem is that they're presented in a very uh, stereotypically clocky manner um, they're usually the punchlines of jokes as opposed to being the ones delivering the jokes. Um, and it's not great, even though it's one of my favorite episodes. I'm like, eh, you could have handled this better. But to their credit, the, the show gets a lot better with its representation as it goes on. Um, for... Yeah, and I would say it's kind of interesting because that, that's the first episode that starts to really imply that the main character is bisexual. Yep. And it gave us Marshmallow, who's a great character. She doesn't have a whole lot of presence on the show, but I, I always get a chuckle when she shows up. Or if you want a really bad uh, representation, uh, there's a whole series of skits from uh, old SNL called Pat, which is about a person of indeterminate or ambiguous gender 
and that's the whole joke. We don't know what their gender is, you know, or you could just fucking ask them. They would tell you, possibly, depending on how much they trust you. That's bad representation. <laughs> uh, I mean, I'd say the worst representation I can think of is uh, Ace Ventura Pet Detective. Yeah, that was another one that, that I thought of. I was trying to think of, like, what is what is something that's bad but not, like, the most horrendous uh example i can think of just because i'm trying to stay on my forced positivity train but yeah ace ventura really bad uh representation there so basically anything really like pre mid 2000s if you go back and watch it you'll find a lot of really bad elements of representation which kind of sucks because sometimes you're like oh yeah this show has some elements that i'm not proud of in hindsight but that's the way time works you try and make things better as it goes on so, for good representation, the argument that I wrote here for this script is the uh, post-Joker adaptations of Harley Quinn are good representation. She's bisexual, which is an identity that gets often ignored or, you know, called out is not real. People say, hey, you've got to pick a team. You're either one or the other. Or if you're a bisexual person who ends up in a seemingly hetero heteronormative relationship, it's like, oh, well, you weren't really bisexual anyway. Um, she has a genuinely positive and passionate relationship with poison ivy um even though poison ivy can be kind of a bitch sometimes um noted eco-terrorist poison ivy yeah tries to genocide the whole planet except for harley quinn um harley's the driver of her own stories she has both flaws and virtues and when she's depicted as a villain um her sexuality is not part of that villainy it's just an element of who she is as a person it's not the reason of her villainy or you know it's not part of some tragic backstory of as to why she is a villain. It's just an element of her character. Um, contrast that with Buffalo Bill from Silence of the Lambs, where their gender identity <laughs> is depicted as the source of the pathology that causes them to become a serial killer and skin people. Yeah, not so good. So, Harley Quinn, she's a villain. She can both do good and bad, but it's not related to her identity in that way. So I would say Harley is good representation. Uh, if you feel differently, let me know. Uh, I may take your arguments into consideration. Who knows? Um, I would say another example that is almost universally considered good representation is uh, Captain Holt from Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Yes. Yeah, even, even um, though ACAB still applies, Captain Holt is is good representation <laughs> yes uh, in part because like the dumbest joke is that he's gay but he's also the show's straight man yep and almost none of his character traits involve him being gay that just happens to be a thing yep and there for all for all the the faults that i'll give brooklyn 99 for beat for having you know copaganda elements to it um Holt has has an interesting character arc and the representation of his character as a African-American gay man trying to make things better from the inside. And what I would kind of call like the, f the fallacy of that thinking of like, oh, you're trying to change, you know, an institution from the inside as a single individual. Eh, it doesn't always work, but it's an it's a good perspective to, you know, represent in the show. So, yep. I go with that one. 
And just in general, uh, I find that DC does a pretty good job with its queer representation. They work uh, with a lot of queer creators. They do a Pride collection every year, um, or at least for the last few years. Um, they've been doing annual collections. And I'm, it's kind of a shame we don't have a better DC miniatures game, because I would prefer to play DC over Marvel, even though I love Crisis Protocol. <laughs> so, yeah, no. Marvel's representation has been a bit iffy i don't know they just it's lackluster they don't really bring it up too much and even though x-men have been kind of co-opted as a symbol of the struggle for queer rights there aren't that many queer x-men and it's not a thing that really comes up which kind of makes me do the face palm thing like in the in the original runs of x-men it was supposed to be an allegory for the civil rights struggle and you have you know supposedly mlk as Xavier and Malcolm X is Magneto and yet they didn't get any black characters until Storm showed up and then when Storm does show up she's a really bad character she gets treated very stereotypically they treat her like a child and it's like you're doing an allegory without any of the people that you're trying to represent it's just one of those face palm moments yeah I mean technically I think uh Bobby Drake Iceman is gay but yeah Iceman also... is gay uh Colossus is gay which causes some interesting storylines kind of in the late 2000s because uh, he's interested in Nightcrawler and that conflicts with Nightcrawler's very like sincere Catholic beliefs. Religion. Yeah. Um, so that, that made some interesting stories for a while in the Ultimate X-Men universe, but I don't think, I don't know why they're not as into the representation aspect. I don't think Colossus aspect. is gay in the main universe. No, this is this is for the Ultimate Universe. Yeah, um, but I don't know. Maybe maybe with uh, Ron DeSantis trying to pick a fight with Disney, um, then Marvel will start introducing more queer characters out of spite. Yep. Turns out all the characters in Marvel are gay. Yep. I can I can get behind that. Just doing it out of spite. I'll take that. So yeah. how does this how does this apply to board games? Um, I find it kind of tricky because last year we talked about uh, queer themes and tabletop RPGs specifically because to be a queer person is to be living your own story and tabletop RPGs are all about the story and the characters and for board games nah, there's the storytelling elements are different for board games and tabletop miniature games because they're focused less on telling a specific story in the world and are more about like the mechanical satisfaction of playing the game. And for a lot of in, I was going to say for a more in-depth discussion of this, go back and listen to our very first episode on gameism, simulationism and narrativism. Yes. And for a lot of games, the stories that develop are the ones that develop between players as they're playing the game. So that's when you're when you're talking to your bros and you're like, "Hey, remember that one time in Arkham Horror?" Um, insert humorous anecdote. We all had to flee from a sugar. Yeah. And so if board games do have characters, more often than not, they're something of a stand-in for the player. Or if they have, like, their own uh, independent agency, I guess. That may be not quite the term that I'm looking for. Um, but if they're an independent entity, they're going to be a pawn that's used by the player for the purposes of winning the game and who the characters are as individuals is not super important. But 
that representation still has to be important in some context or whenever I played Arkham Horror, I would not have picked Jenny Barnes because I wanted to be a fabulous 1920s flapper woman. So there's something there. Um, but how we, how we work that representation into board games versus tabletop RPGs is going to be different. What about in war games? War games, um, well, actually, let me scroll down to the bottom of my notes here, because that's where I have that one. Um, a thing that I like about tabletop war games is that, more often than not, the story or backstory to whatever battle you guys are playing is happening around your your battle. Your battle takes place in like a little bubble, and everything else is going on outside that bubble, I guess, unless you're using, like, named space marines or something. So you can really kind of do whatever you want. Um, my first space marine commander was a female space marine. Uh, so suck it, weird nerds on the internet who say space mar women can't be space marines because um, I made one. She exists. She's still packed away with the rest of my space marines. Um... My transhuman commander for Infinity has a pride flag painted in their hair because they represent me on the table and I can make them be whoever they want. And your mileage may vary on this on this opinion or it could be seen as like a cop-out of making, making a player have to insert their own representation and identity into the game instead of being able to look at that as like a cultural mirror and see that representation reflected back. Um, but the chance to write your own story and flex flex your own identity is important. So that's one thing that I do like about war games is that even though there is, there is a story, there are characters, you can really kind of do whatever you want because they're quote, your dudes TM. So, you know, you can, you can do them however you want, unless you're somehow running afoul of like modeling rules for uh, an official G dubs tournament. And it's like, but what's your opponent going to do? <laughs> it's like, they can decide not to play, which sucks for them because then they don't get to play the game because they were being pedantic about something. I mean, yeah. Yep. Uh, I'd also say it helps if the games, if the company that creates the games and organizes this stuff is um, actively assisting in this sort of thing. Um, you know, it, actively assisting in the field of representation like trying to put stuff in there into the official lore and official stuff to say yes. that you know this is cool and this is you know something that would be normal in working within the universe yep yeah I mean, um i'll i'll give i'll give g-dubs a little bit of credit there because you're you're starting to see like more more women show up in 40k um you're starting to see more people of color in 40k whereas previously it was just you know, all white dudes except for the the Salamander Space Marines who had like Mars black skin because of a mutation uh, in their gene C. But it's like um, that's that's very different from <laughs> looking for people of color in your game. Yeah. Um, and then I'll give shout outs to Slanesh for making or sorry to GW for making Slanesh and their followers just gender fucked as hell. Uh I don't know if I consider them good or bad representation, but they're kind of like my go-to thing in 40k after orcs, and 
orcs are genderless since they reproduce with spores. Uh, yeah. Reject gender, embrace wa because gender is a human concept. <laughs> yeah, um, I was thinking of uh, BattleTech, which just recently had a like fan anthology of pride-related stories. Um, oh were... yeah, that's right. You sent me that. I still have yet to read it. They're, they're just, like, fan-made short stories. Um, and the response from the publisher of the game has been incredibly positive. Like, they promoted it officially. Yeah. Um, and when the subreddit for it, for Battletech, like, went full gatekeep grog grognard neckbeard about it, um, the company was like, oh, oh, well, we're going to set up our own official subreddit until you guys get your shit figured out. Yep. And uh, they did eventually get their shit figured out when somebody else, when the original person who had made that subreddit was like, uh, no, new, new people in charge now. Yep. And that's um, that's essentially what it means to be an ally, because you see like a lot of performative allyship of like, oh, we're an ally, we support you in doing what you're doing, but when it actually comes time to do something a lot of people and or corporations will just back down and be like, Oh, well we don't, we don't want to make people mad. We just want to keep everybody happy. But when, when a publisher or a creator, yeah, looking at you target, yeah, you've got a target on you. No pun intended. <laughs> maybe that that's an in, intended pun. Maybe that's in bad taste considering people have threatened to shoot up and bomb targets. I don't know. <laughs> um, but yeah, when a company, you know, gives a portion of their fan base the middle finger and says, deal with it. Um, this is part of part of the game, part of our publishing. Uh, you guys can deal with it or not. Yeah, that's uh, that is allyship. <laughs> yeah, and the, just using the tagline of BattleTech is for everyone. Yep. Um, or uh, honestly, Games Workshop's thing about um, Warhammer is for everyone. Yeah, Warhammer is for everyone. Or and you will not be missed. Yep. To some people, was uh, surprisingly impressive for them. Yeah, for a lot of for a lot of flack that I give G Dubs, they they haven't been too in, doing too bad when it when it comes to that. They at least recognize recently. that there is a yeah, recently they recognize they're recognizing more that there's a very toxic element to their fan base and trying to uh exterminatus some of those elements only makes the game better because then you don't have to play games with shitheads. Yep. So having having the full weight of uh corporate capitalism behind uh representation it helps because you know that's where the money is they're the ones who are in power uh join me for my anarchism bonus episode about power structures <laughs> um but to be honest in doing the research for this episode i was kind of disappointed that i haven't really found much that's new since we did our pride episode last year um the pride displays that are friendly local game stores are essentially the same. They really haven't added anything new. Um, there's not a whole lot of new queer themed games or like instances of representation that I've really found. Um, the only one that had like, or I guess, sorry, there's two that I found that have like explicitly queer themes. Um, one is called dare to love by chief on Chen and published by Mizo games in uh, 2020, I think. I forgot to write the, the date down. Um, 
but it's a science fantasy strategy game where you're trying to save your queer lover from the government and is meant to be kind of a, a sci-fi retelling of the story for queer rights in Taiwan, which I didn't know this only legalized gay marriage in 2019. <laughs> so I mean, that's ahead of a number of other countries that haven't legalized gay marriage yet. Yeah, that's ahead of most of their, their geographic region. So I guess props to the Taiwanese government for giving in and uh, props to the people who actually showed up and organized to make it happen because it didn't happen just by, oh, the Supreme Court saying, yes, this is legal. Um, it That change was made by mass action and mass protests where the people showed up and said, no, you're not going to uh, legalize your way around it. We are telling you that gay marriage is now legal in Taiwan and you're going to give in to what we're telling you to do. So You got to fight for your yep. right. To get to married. Nope. Also, also true. Party as well. Um, it only has a 5.2 on Board Game Geek, but I try and take that with a little grain of salt of it is a game of queer themes and things like that tend to get review bombed. Um, so... It's also... It sounds like it's fairly new and not super widespread, so... Yeah, I think it had a very limited distribution run. But I like the art style, and it has, like, a cool, like, uh, strategy hex system. So I'm interested in it, and I'll see if I can find a copy of it somewhere. Because if nothing else, I at least want to send some dollars their way. Because it's like, yep, you're you're doing the good thing. Um, the other one that I found is called uh, Stonewall Uprising, designed by Taylor Schuss and published by Catastrophe Games in 2022. And it's an asymmetric deck builder. Uh, where one player is playing as the Uprising and the other player is playing as the man trying to shut down queer rights. Insert facepalm gif of Captain Picard here. Yeah. Um, and while I like the idea of both these games and that they're telling the story of like, yes, queer rights is a fight. It's been going on a long time. It's not over. And we've seen just in the last year, like how far and how fast things can backslide. The fact that both of these games have one player playing as the oppressor, trying to fight against queer rights. That just feels bad, man. Yeah. I like, I like playing as villains generally. Um, but man, I can't imagine playing Stonewall uprising with, like a queer gaming group or queer friends and being like, yes, I win. I continue oppressing our community for another day. It's like, that's no, that's bad. Yeah. You need to um, do like an AI essentially. Yeah. So why these games weren't like co-op versus AI from the beginning is kind of beyond me, but I mean, they're also, they're designers who are out there publishing games and I'm not. So <laughs> I don't know how much room I have to speak other than as a pop culture critic. Yeah. Um, so what I found that it really kind of boils down to is that if you're not making a board game explicitly about that fight or about queer existence, just add queer characters into your games. It doesn't cost you anything unless you've hired a cultural subject matter expert, which you probably should anyway. Just put them in there. They don't need expansive stories if your char if your game and your characters don't really have like deep lore. Even if you just have little blurbs about who each character in the game is, just throw some queerness in there. Note that your character's gay, trans, ace, what have you. Even if it's not important to the story or the gameplay, it could be very well important to a player. 
and the whole point of representation is to show that as a group of people we exist we're as normal as anybody else and we also deserve to see ourselves reflected in the media that our culture produces um i've seen a couple instances of this um there's an there's another game that i found that i forgot to write the name down um it's something Venom, but the, it's a card game basically about, like, the UN fighting against, um, uh, like, a New World Order terrorist group called Venom. And one of the characters is pointed out as having a girlfriend, and they show up together on one of the cards. And it's like, okay, that's cool. Um, that's, you know, one character out of who knows how many are in this game. Um, there's another one called Sentinels of the Multiverse. Uh, which is I've a played it. is it any good yeah it's quite good um nice it's actually a really good example of co-op versus ai sweet i was reading about it and it sounded a lot like uh marvel champions to the point where i was like what when did these come out did one of these games rip off the other because they seem very very similar <laughs> it, it's possible <laughs> sentinels of the multiverse has been out for a good long while yeah so I... That's kind of the vibe I got was I'm like, I think Marvel may have ripped this game off slightly. <laughs> um, but that Disney. one, that one, according to the, the, the stuff I found in the research has uh, some queer characters and queer storyline arcs, or I guess hooks maybe um, in there. That's another one I want to play because it's, it's comic books and just feed me all the comic books to shove them in my face. It is so comic books. Yep. So, yeah, I mean, just just add in the representation uh, and not just have the representation like in your in your board games. You know, if that's a thing that you're concerned about, hire queer staff members, queer artists, queer writers. They can they can help with this because having those points of view only, you know, adds flavor to your games. The the more diverse your roster of people designing the game is, will give it a more well-rounded view of the real world than just, you know, 12 straight white heterosexual dudes sitting around designing a board game. Nothing inherently wrong with that, you know, because that's a majority of board games throughout all time. But, you know, you're going you're gonna to get more perspectives, more influences more creativity out of a group of people who have a broad range of experience rather than people who eh, grew up under relatively similar circumstances. So yeah, I would also point out that you get 12 guys in a room. I'm going to guess that at least one of them probably isn't perfectly straight. Most likely, but here's the Statistically thing though, speaking. without that representation and feeling like it, this is a safe, a safe moment when they can be themselves are they really gonna? Are they gonna expose that information? My guess is probably not. Probably um, not. Yeah, because that's how get... <laughs> history has worked for the last several thousand years. Yeah. Now, if you get five guys in a room together, you get burgers. I get yeah, good burgers. Yep. Good but overpriced burgers. Yeah, I'm not a huge fan of the burgers, but I will I will eat an entire bag of their fries like nobody's business. Oh yeah, you got to get the Cajun fries. Yep, that's those the good are the stuff. best. Best restaurant fries out there. Uh, best fast food fries out there, hands down. Yep. So, yeah, that's representation in board games, at least as far as uh, queer stories and characters go. 
it needs a, it needs a lot of work, but yeah, we're kind of trending in the right direction. We'll see how this next year goes. Um, so what about representation in uh, role-playing games? And I mean representation within games themselves, not games that are specifically focused on uh, like telling queer stories. Um, I didn't do as much research on that angle just because uh, I felt like maybe it was a little bit too much cross-pollination with last year since we started talking about uh, tabletop RPGs, but... From what I've heard, um, Pathfinder does a pretty good job. Um, Dungeons & Dragons actually has been doing a pretty good job. And I remember one of the... uh, One of the more moments in my own story that sticks out from when I first started coming out and starting the transition process was getting the Rhyme of the Frostmaiden book. And there's a character that the players can encounter early on in the game who uses they, them pronouns is described as non-binary gender non-conforming. And it's a small, like I said, it's a small thing, but that was super important because I was like, Oh, that's really cool. I like that. I want to add that character in and I want to keep them around as much as I can. Um, but I think, that Sorry, in the Strixhaven book had some uh, representation of queer characters. Um, and also the uh, Journeys from the Radiant Citadel book has a, quite a lot of them. That one focused pretty heavily on uh, getting non-traditional authors and just in general people who tell different stories. Yeah, that was a that was another books. book that I want to get and just read through just to see what they came up with because I I don't think I'll ever uh, run one of those campaigns and even if I'm in a game where they're running it you, you know how pre planned D and D campaigns work out they never go as written so I I feel like the tabletop RPG space they are light years ahead when it comes to representation in gaming. But it's because it is so story and personality and character focused and less so on the mechanics. The mechanics are kind of more of a means to an end of, you know, getting the characters from A to B. But how the characters interact, who they're interacting with, and those stories are much more central to playing a tabletop RPG than a board game. So... It's something that I think a lot of authors and publishers have realized is a very important element. And so it's taken more prominence because if you have, you know, a popular tabletop RPG that doesn't have any LGBTQIA plus representation in uh, the year of Earth 2023, you're going to raise a couple of eyebrows be like, hmm, there's a distinct lack here. Um and I don't know if you would necessarily get, like, you know, slapped down or, like, seriously called out about it, but it would be noticeable. It might uh, tilt the people playing your game in a specific direction. Yes. So, I think, overall, the RPG space, they're doing a better job at it, at it, but 
the job that they're trying to do and the product they're trying to create, I think, is very different from, you know, pieces, pawns and board on a table or even war games, really. So I think it's it's a whole it's a whole different thing, but they're doing a, a better job at it, which I appreciate. And, you know, the fact that they're making an effort and for the most part, when publishers receive backlash to it, they're just like, no, fuck you. <laughs> yeah, you know what they say, go woke, make a bunch of money. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, I've been I've been throwing around my my pride dollars. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, that's representation. Uh, board games could do better. Tabletop RPGs to doing pretty good. Um, I'd say war games kind of fall somewhere in the middle, but a lot of that, you know, that that's your own homebrew stuff. You got to add a add a little bit of your own spice to it. Yeah, war games. Uh, some of the big ones could probably do a better job of actively including that sort of content in their stories and lore, but. Uh, as long as they continue to support the people who add that to the game, that's good. Yep. Yeah, I would rather see G-dubs, like, hire some queer writers to write, you know, some black library books and come up with new characters rather than them trying to, like, you know, shoehorn something in or something like that. It's like, no, just just, just hire new writers. Hire new yeah. people with new perspectives. They'll, they'll do the work for you because you're paying them to do it. Yep. Woo! Woo! Pride Month. It's trying to stay positive. <laughs> yeah, pride. And I get to keep talking because I have a board game of the week, even though it's not a board game. And yes, we have a section more. called Board Game Corner, and you will now describe a board game. Yep, um, it has four corners. <laughs> it's technically not a board game, but it. Yeah, I guess I guess talking about tabletop RPGs at the end is a good segue, um, since I'm talking about. Uh, they call it a game. It's called Lineage, uh, written by an individual named G. Johnston and published by Wash Your Hand Games. Um, you can find him on Twitter at Wash Your Hands SG uh, I and on itch.io as Wash Your Hands. And if you've ever played Crusader Kings 2 to the stupid extent that I have, you know that. A majority of what makes that game fun is having a character and just following them through their life, seeing the weird shenanigans they get up to, um, the hilarious ways that they die, the massive disappointments their children turn out to be. And Lineage is essentially a pen and paper version of Crusader Kings 2, but following your monarch like even more closely. Um, they describe the game as the solo role-playing game of royal genealogy. And so you just go through uh, this list here, or I guess book, I should say, and you roll 2d6 and it will randomly generate nobles for you. And so you have like uh, their cognomen, which is, you know, how they're remembered by. So if you roll a uh, an eight, they are known as the soldier. Um and 11, they are known as the Damned. 12 is the Glorious. Uh, you've got your spouses here. If you roll Snake Eyes, uh, your spouse is a peasant known for their great beauty. Um, if you roll a 7, they never married and had no heirs. And so you just keep going through here, and you keep rolling 
and generating these stories until the family tree ends. And, you know, that's when the game ends. And then you have this story to look back on and be like, this was this, you know, the great family. This is what they did. This is when they, when they, the family tree started and this is where it ends. And it's entertaining. Uh, just kind of, you know, self, uh, self-created fictional, fictional setting. I don't know what, what word I was trying to go for there. Um, but what I've found really interesting is that it's really good for generating random characters in an RPG. If you want to give somebody like a good backstory, but you don't necessarily want to like sit and ruminate. It's like, okay, well, this guy, he's married to this person. This is how they died. This is their children. These are the historical events of their lives. It's like, no, just run through this book a couple of times, make some roles. And you've got, you know, yourself a nice little pre-made character outline that you can jump off of. So um, yeah, if you're, if you're somebody who's into either just kind of that, I guess, writing exercise is what I would call it, maybe, as, as opposed to a game, um, take a look at that. Or if you're somebody who likes to do deep dives into the backgrounds of your, either your own homebrew RPG games, or if you're just looking to flesh out some characters that your characters have inexplicably taken a liking to, uh, Check out Lineage. I think I got this off of itch.io was where I got mine. And I think I paid maybe $12 for it. It's a nicely printed little book. And you get to support an independent uh, game creator. So go for that. Yeah. Yeah. And that's our show. Uh, As always, thank you for listening. Uh, Like, subscribe, etc., etc., do the things that uh, tell other people about us. When you go to Pride Parade, be like, "Hey, have you heard about this podcast called Null Country for Old Men?" They, the, they are cool. I feel yeah, like we need to like that. I feel like we need to add an asterisk uh, at the end <laughs> over old men, <laughs> old men asterisk. <laughs> no country for old them. Yes. Uh, we can we can adjust that if you want. Um, uh, support your local game stores unionize fight fascism um fight climate change ride a bike um, good all good things yeah uh, do the things that's gonna tell you to do oh boy uh you can follow me on instagram and adam madness uh i've been doing a better job of posting stuff there lately uh pride month also stimulates the the urge to post in my brain um yeah uh if you're if you're part of the uh alphabet mafia the rainbow family whatever you want to call our our subset of humanity uh learn some self-defense from a queer friendly studio if you can find uh even if you can't you know try and find a a safe space or a safe moment where you can learn some self-defense i've got a plug here for a self-defense study guide for trans women uh, asterisk and gender non-conforming non-binary assigned male at birth folks uh it's written by trans fighters oakland and published by silver sprocket which is a independent underground comics uh publisher it's a little five dollar booklet uh it has uh, illustrated ideas about self-defense and you know even for me it had some stuff that i hadn't considered so it's got some valuable information 
Oh, uh, if you like guns, check out Pink Pistols. Um, check out the SRA if you hate the NRA like I do. Or your local John Brown Gun Club. They'll teach you how to shoot some guns and have a good time. Uh, donate to charities like the Tre- Trevor Project, True Colors United. Um, check in on your queer friends and be ready to defend them and throw down when shit hits the fan. Because it will hit the fan eventually. And if you want to know how that turns out, uh, read read some memoirs from Germans who kind of sat back and really didn't do anything when they started coming for people. Uh, they have a lot of regrets. And then if you see any uh, mutual aid requests from queer people looking to uh, leave the shithole states, donate what and when you can. They'll really appreciate it. And just trying to keep as many people safe as possible. So those, those are all my Pride Month uh, uh, plugs. And go cause trouble for your for your local Nazis. And also, go Knowles. Go Knowles!